Anything else is, is worthless, Lord Jesus. We just ask you to bless today, to come in. Let the Holy Spirit just fill this place, Lord. And we just ask for your presence. and We ask for you to come. And we just praise you. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. If you're willing and able, please stand and worship with us. Bring you praise. 
like some prayer at this time. You can head to the back and I'll pray over you.
can be seated. Before we jump into communion this morning, Nathaniel, do we have a Hebrew word? Short and sweet. Give it to us. Okay. Use the red one. Make sure it's on. Hello? There we go. Is anyone there? Okay. Um, I, I, this, this is a word that I know. Um, I don't know much background because I just kind of part of vocab for class, so I just know the word. I don't know the meaning behind it. Uh, well, I know what it means, but I don't know where it came from. Uh, so the last word in our Quart. Quintet. Of faith, family, friends, fun, freedom is friend. Um, and the Hebrew word for friend is Rea. And I don't know much beyond that. So, Rea. <laughs> Rea. All right. Thank you. He tries. He tries. Rea. And like when, I, when he said the Hebrew word for Rhea, like I, in my brain I go to uh, that scene in the Fellowship of the Ring when they're standing in front of the door to get into the Mines of Moria and, and the, they have to say the speak friend and enter. Um, so like my brain goes to Dwarvish and not Hebrew when I hear the word friend. Um, but that's just because I'm weird. Um, before we move into communion, um, I just want to share a couple of quick announcements while I have everybody here and uh, folks aren't scattering to go upstairs for Kids Quest and stuff. Lots and lots of things happening in the next few weeks. Um, first and foremost, on this next Sunday, uh, there's not a lot of notice and for that I apologize, but uh, we need to have a family meeting on Sunday after church to continue the conversation about what we're going to do with Crosspoint. And so next Sunday after church, we don't need a whole lunch and learn to do it. Um, We'll probably end a little bit early so that we have as much time as we can. And uh, we need to have a a discussion about what what we're going to do. Um, So tomorrow night we have a board meeting and we will go into the detail. And then probably between tomorrow night and next Sunday we'll send out an informational email so that you're up to speed on what we'll be talking about on Sunday. Does that make sense? Awesome. Um, on April 29th, uh, I found out about this as we've been going through the the Wednesday night um, American Campfire Revival. Uh, this popped up, and as we think about praying for our culture, praying to make an impact, trying to make a difference, whether that's we're trying to engage in, in helping rescue the unborn, um, talking about what's happening in our culture. Um, I saw this, and it's a, a, a seminar that is from 9 o'clock, and 9 a.m. until 2 p.m., and it is at a church in the city uh, at Bridge Builders Ministries on Norton Street. But when I saw the speakers, I'm like, I know all of those people. Um, so uh, Jason McGuire is a friend of mine from Camp Hickory Hill, and he actually uh, is a, a person who works with our state legislature to speak for righteousness and works with the, our, our state government and trying to – it's Micah's dad. Um, and so Jason's one of the speakers. And then Mike Warren, you might know uh, someone who might be related to Mike Warren. 
Um, a bunch of redheads that sit over there in the corner. Uh, Mike is a, a missionary to the unborn, and he's uh, one of the speakers. And then Mike and Julia Peace. Mike Peace is a pastor in the city. Um, I remember Mike from the 80s when Mike was a, uh, a Christian rapper uh, who then grew up to be a pastor. I'm sure he probably still raps, but um, all three of these speakers are excellent. And the whole point of the of the seminar is how do we speak to the the situations that are happening in our culture right now as a person of faith and can we can we transform a culture that's in chaos and so I'm really excited about this and uh, the, apparently the first one that they did was at Jubilee in Brockport and now they're moving it regionally around the county and so um, I think this is something that if you're interested um, in having uh, learning how to have a conversation about very difficult and touchy subjects, this would be a great opportunity for you to go. So that's on the 29th. It's a Saturday at Build Bridge Builders in, in the city. And then the next day after that, the 30th, we're going to have another church on the move. We were, we've been invited to come join our friends over at New Testament uh, with Lori and Jimmy Bolton, and um, they actually, it's uh, they asked me to speak at Grace New Testament, and it was easier for us to just all go there than for me to find someone to speak here. So we're just going to do church on the move. Um, and uh, that week, actually, the, the Boltons have invited, or Grace New Testament invited me to go with them on on a to a, a pastors conference in Michigan. So as soon as we're done with service on the 30th, um, I'll be jumping in the car with the Boltons and their team from Greece New Testament, and we're driving to Michigan uh, to go to a pastor's conference. So uh, it kind of takes care of multiple birds with one stone by doing it that way. All right? And I think that's it. Oh, no, no, one last thing. Just so you can get it on your calendar, as we're talking about engaging our culture and praying for our nation the National Day of Prayer is coming up on Thursday, May 4th. All of this is happening in the next three and four weeks. And that is going to be at Greece Assembly of God, and that will be churches from all over Monroe County that will be joining together to pray for our nation on the National Day of Prayer. And so I really want to encourage as many of us that can go to participate in that as we pray for our nation. Does that make sense? Awesome. Let's, let's focus our hearts for communion. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, For I pass on to you what I receive from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. In the message this morning, we're going to be reading in uh, Luke chapter 15. And one of the things that happens is right in the beginning, Jesus gets attacked by the Pharisees 
because of the people he chooses to eat with. And, and Jesus was very intentional about eating with people that didn't fit and, and people who were broken and people who were lost. And that, that behavior, that pattern of, of reaching out and, and loving people um, in addition to coinciding with Passover became a part of church tradition that now has become what we do every Sunday called the, the Lord's Supper or Communion or the Eucharist. And so in the early church, there were they would meet regularly to, to connect and to enjoy each other's company and to, to eat and to celebrate. For us this morning, as we come to the table, this is a moment for us to remember what he did for us. But it's also not just remembering his death and his resurrection and that he's coming again. But I think it's appropriate for us to say, okay, God, we as believers freely come to this table and, and we, we take the bread and we take the juice and we, we, we experience your grace, and we experience your fulfillment, and we experience your love. But we also need to remember that there are people that are connected to us or to our families that are lost, that they don't experience this healing and grace because they have no relationship with Jesus. And those were the people that Jesus continuously got in trouble for eating with. So this morning as we come to the table, I want to encourage you to say to the Lord and, and maybe to yourself as, you, as you're taking your communion elements, Lord, who is it in my life that doesn't know you today? That as you're taking communion, as you're experiencing his grace, as you're experiencing healing and, and, and love through the elements of communion, who is it, Lord, that you want me to love on this week? whether it's praying for them, sending them an encouragement, shooting them a text, inviting them to church, whatever that is, that, that we come to the table not so that we can have this wonderful group of however many people are here this morning, but that we, can, we have an opportunity to share the love that we have around the table with the people in our lives who are lost and broken. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you for these symbols of your grace that represent salvation to us. Your body that was broken through these broken pieces of bread. Your blood that forgives us and heals us and restores us represented by these cups of juice. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you that not only did you die on the cross for us, but you rose again and you ascended into heaven and one day you will soon return. Lord, we celebrate that. But Father, we, we, want, we want the people that you've put in our lives to be able to come to the table too. So Lord, we ask that you would help us to remember those this morning as we celebrate communion. That you would open doors of opportunity for us to, to share that love with them that they can experience your grace and your healing and your restoration. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Tables are open.
Kids are dismissed for Kids Quest. they chat, the longer I preach. It's no big deal. <laughs> All right, good morning. It's good to see you. I know, right? I mean... I don't know if you, I don't know if you guys remember, like, when we were a lot bigger, um, we literally had to do Kids Quest from ten the whole time, because if we had the kids here, there weren't enough seats, and we're it's starting to happen again. The fifty-fifty split's a good problem. It's a good problem, and I just it's. I know it's kind of like a panic moment, but like when someone says we're about to run out of communion, I'm like. That's a good problem to have. So, yeah, it's a good problem. So welcome. It's good to see you all this morning. We are starting a new series this morning on the, the lost parables of Jesus. And uh, over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at these moments where Jesus is talking about things that are lost, things that are, uh, that are metaphors for our lives. And, and, and I, don't, I don't know about you. Um, but have you ever lost something like really important, right? And uh, what does that do to you when it's anxiety, right, panic? Um, Jessica got a brand new record player for Christmas 
and it's never left the house. And somehow, from Christmas, when she opened the record player, took it out of the box, plugged it in and used it once, the cord that powers her record player, nowhere to be found. And so we were talking about it on the way here this morning uh, because she's starting to think about school and taking her record player with her when she goes to college in the fall. And I, she has no power cord. And she, she was describing a scene where she literally was tearing the house apart trying to find this power cord, like going through drawers, stealing power cords from other devices to try to figure out how to do it, right? There's that, that moment of, of panic and anxiety and I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do, right? And we've all felt that. We've all had that, that moment of, oh, my goodness, where are my fill-in-the-blank? Where are my keys? Where is the remote? Where is my child uh, at the mall? Uh, well, yes, we lost you. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, there was the moment where, where Terry was shopping at Penny's at the mall and um, Nathaniel thought it would be fun to play hide-and-seek. And so, right, hide-and-seek is a great game. It's so much fun to play. And Nathaniel thought, if I hide inside this rack of clothing, which I did, like I remember doing it. Like it was like a fort inside the, the big round ones, and you get in the middle of the inside. And, and so Terry's shopping. I don't even think that Terry was even aware that Nathaniel was missing um, trying to find him until uh, all of a sudden one of the carts, the, the racks of clothing, does one of these. Crash. But it wasn't just one rack of clothes. It hit the next rack of clothes, and then that crashed. And, and I believe there was a, six racks that were annihilated all over the ground with Nathaniel giggling in the first rack. Because he thought it was the greatest thing ever. Um, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> wow. Repentance in this room. Um, so as we look at the lost parables of Jesus over the next week, we're going to look at the lost sheep. We're going to look at the lost coin. We're going to look at the lost son. And when we understand God's heart for the lost, uh, I think that we can, number one, we can, we can celebrate our salvation and we can maybe be encouraged, become passionate about helping those that, are, that don't have a relationship with Jesus to, to come to Christ and, and that we can celebrate that. And it's something to be celebrated. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 15. And we're going to be reading verses 1 through 7. It says this in, in verse 1. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners came to listen to Jesus teach. Now that seems to be the opposite of what happens on a given Sunday. Isn't it? And obviously it's because Jesus was an incredible communicator and was the kind of person that lost people wanted to be around. 
right? The, the idea of Jesus being this person who kind of floated around with a halo behind his head and, and you know, only, only did and said perfect things. Jesus was the kind of person that the people who were not just sinners, notorious sinners and tax collectors would come and listen to him speak. And, and some of his messages, when you read through the, the, the Bible, they were not uh, nice three-point, 15- to 20-minute messages. Like if you were to take the Sermon on the Mount where he was preaching uh, and, and sharing in the book of Matthew, it, it was hours. It was all day. And, you know, we get uncomfortable when the message goes longer than a half an hour, 45 minutes. It's like, Pastor Rob, what are you doing? Right? And again, I'm not Jesus, so I get that. I'm not trying to draw a parallel uh, between him and me. But I just find it interesting that it's not, he wasn't preaching to, in a synagogue in this situation. He's, he's out talking to people in the community, and the people who were lost and broken came to listen to him teach. And look at what it does. Verse 2. This made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Right? Now, probably in here there is jealousy. There is jealousy that they're preaching every Saturday on the Sabbath in synagogue and notorious sinners and tax collectors are not reforming their ways and coming to listen to rabbi whoever, but they're out in the field or they're out in the town square or they're out somewhere and they're listening to this Jesus guy. And, and you know, what's interesting, the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law, their intent, the purpose for setting up these rules for who you ate with and who you didn't eat with were not intended to be exclusionary to begin with. They were intended to encourage people to say, look, if you want to be righteous, if you want to experience all that God has for you, these are the, these are the things that God has said in the word you shouldn't do. You shouldn't be eating these kinds of foods. You shouldn't be. It, it was an attempt for them to try to be closer to God initially. And then it became self-righteous rather than righteous. And then it became who you ate with. And so now and it became exclusionary. But it wasn't the intent that when, when you look at the dietary rules in the Old Testament, it wasn't meant to be exclusionary. It was meant to help the people of God walk in righteousness. And so they're looking at what Jesus is doing, and he's not only are, are the, the, the crowds listening to Jesus, he's even fun enough that they want to hang out and eat with him. And so Jesus tells them this story in verse 3. He says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost? Until he finds it. Now, in in the the early uh, first century and uh, and and before that, a hundred sheep is considered to be a modest flock of sheep. 
And so he's saying, look, this is, this is a healthy group of sheep. This is a healthy uh, set of, of, of animals that a shepherd has to take care of. And, and what I find interesting, sometimes when I have read this verse in the past, I kind of got the idea that the person who's going to look for the one is ignoring the 99, right? And, and leaving the 99 unattended while he goes out and hunts for the one. And that's not the case at all. In this system of, of agriculture, the way that it works, you had a shepherd who was responsible for the flock, and then that shepherd had under-shepherds. He had other guys, right? When, when we read about the passage in, Chris, in the Christmas story, it says when the, the shepherds were watching their flocks by night, and when the angels appeared, it was a whole group of shepherds. But there was the main shepherd. It was his responsibility to make sure that none of them get lost. It's beautiful. There, there's a, a video clip. I, I didn't find it um, for this morning, but I, I think I've shown it in the past about multiple groups of shepherds. Like they would, they would coordinate so that they could watch more than just one flock at a time. And so the shepherds will will have all the all the sheep out in a field together. And there's there's TJ's flock of sheep, and there's Joe's flock of sheep, and and there's uh, there's Joshua's flock of sheep, and they're all out in this one field because that's where all the good grass is. But then when it was time for Josh to head back to their home turf, Josh would walk to the, to the entrance to the gate, and he would do his call. And I don't know what Joshua's call would sound like. I don't know if you're brave enough to let us know what your sheep call is, Josh. Um, but, but, but Josh would have a call that, that was unique to his flock. And as he stands in the gate and he says whatever he says, I was hoping he would do it, but he's not going to do it. Um, I would just say, hey, sheep. Just say, hey, sheep. Hey, sheep, there we go. What's amazing is you've got 300 sheep out in this field, and Josh says, hey, sheep. And Josh's sheep know his voice. And as he walks off saying, hey, sheep, his 100 sheep walk out of the field and now it's just TJ's and Joe's sheep that are left. And then Joe would go to the gate, and Joe would say, come on, sheep. And, and now you've got 200 sheep that have, that have pulled themselves away, and so then all that's left in the field is TJ's sheep. And so TJ's got an easy job. He just has to walk up to the entrance to the field and say, oh, there it is. Boo, I should have went to TJ first. I should have. I should have known. Right? But the beautiful thing about this is that, you know, he, he, Jesus is talking to these Pharisees who are all ticked off because Jesus is spending all of his time with lost and broken sheep that are hurting and that they need help and they need direction because they're lost. And, and they, they're mad. And so he says, listen, if, if a man had 100 sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? Now, it's, again, just another one of those beautiful pictures of, of the care that our, our shepherd has for us. Um, when you look at Middle Eastern sheep pens, there, I, I was at the Nowickies on Thursday um, just checking in on Joe to see how he's doing. 
and I saw the great Nowicki chicken pen that has been that has been manufactured, engineered to protect their new crop of meat chickens. And and it has to be something that is secure enough that the the minks and the foxes can't get into it and annihilate their meat chickens. And so it's secure and it's heavy. And, it, and like literally, it's amazing. It has a roof and fence all the way around. And, and the, you know, um, my, my sister Kim's upstairs with the kids. Like, she remembers when she had to meet chickens. Um, all that goes into protecting those chickens. But a sheep pen in the early first century was not as beautifully engineered as the Nowicki chicken coop of, of 2023. It was basically just a short wall about this high. And, and it, it was open in a space that fit comfortably your sheep. And then there was an opening, not even a gate, just an opening. And the sheep went in and out through that opening. And here's what kept the sheep in the pen. When the sheep were in the pen, the shepherd plopped himself down in the entrance to the gate. And, and so he would, he would sit there, he would hang out there when it was time for them at night while, while they were to be protected. And his other under-shepherds were around, but the, the shepherd, their position was in the gate. And when it was time to go to bed, he would actually get out his bedroll and he would put his bedroll in that opening and he would sleep in the opening so that the sheep, because they, they, he would know if they tried to step over him, to get out. So here's a beautiful thing. When Jesus talks about, uh, I am the gate, and that no one can come to the Father except through me, that he literally, he is that shepherd for us. And, and I, I remember uh, when the kids were little, uh, trying to keep them in their room at night. And, and as they've transitioned from crib to bed, uh, keeping them in their room was a task. Uh, Joy was the worst. Um, when she got to her big girl bed, um, that those first few nights, of I would wake up in the morning and there would be a face in my face. Daddy, what are you doing? Uh, she's trying to sleep. What are you doing? Pick her up. Take her back to her room. Put her in her bed. Stay in the bed. Come back in. Lay down. Daddy, what are you doing? Joy! Take her back into her room. And, and, and like, uh, I, I think some comedian was talking about each time you take them back into your room, you drop them from higher and higher. Stay in the bed. But my pastor gave me this brilliant advice. He said, listen, put them in their bed and lay on the floor in front of their door, just like the shepherd, so that they have to step over you to get out. And it works. Uh, again, I don't know if you'll have that problem with Harvey, but uh, get a bedroll ready uh, so that you can lay in the opening. Because um, I have a feeling he's a wanderer. Yeah, but when he's when he transitions to his big boy bed, will he still have to wear the bar? Oh my goodness! All right, that's a bonus for you. That's great. That's not bad at all. Man, why did we put bars on all our kids? I did, I did consider, like, getting the dog shot collar for the kids, right? For, don't leave the yard. For Nathaniel especially. He was, he was a, a road runner. 
Yeah, right? Do exactly, exactly. If a man has a hundred sheep, how do we come back from this? And one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others in the wilderness and go and search for the one that is lost until he finds it? Verse five. And then when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. Verse 6. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and his neighbors, those under-shepherds, those guys that have been back watching the 99. He comes back and he's got the sheep on his shoulder and he says, My friends, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. Verse 7. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. You know, Christ seeks the lost, the outcast, the weak, and he leaves the herd for the sake of the one. In, in uh, the Mission Impossible movies, there's this one scene in, in Mission Impossible Fallout where um, Ethan Hunt, the main character, he is uh, being kind of corrected by his director. Yeah, maybe bullied. But the director of the, Internet, of the Impossible Mission Force, the IMF, says this to Ethan. He says, some flaw deep in your core won't simply allow you to choose between one life and millions. Now, you see this as a sign of weakness, but to me, that is your greatest strength. But in this passage this morning, Christ is, is that, has that same sort of attitude that it's not enough to just have 99 sheep. I need all of them. I need all 100 sheep. I'm not okay if one gets lost. And, and at the beginning of this, you know, the, the, the Pharisees are grumbling at Jesus in verse 1 for eating with tax collectors. And, and despite all of this, Jesus receives them. He, he accepts them. He loves them. Right? They haven't changed anything yet. He still loves them. They haven't not become, they haven't undone their tax collector careers. They're still broken. They're still lost. And he, he loves them. He brings the sheep on his shoulders. Think about that. Now, sheep are difficult, right? We, the, the, the metaphor of sheep sometimes is, is one that we get a little uncomfortable with, right? Because uh, when you really understand sheep, um, sheep smell, uh, sheep bite, Sheep are notoriously dumb. Yeah, they're not nice. Um, which breaks the whole image of the cute little lamb, right? Lambs are cute and, and fuzzy and wonderful. But adult sheep are dumb. And, and, and Jesus says that you are the sheep of my pasture. And we're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Um, because we bite sometimes and sometimes we stink. And a lot of times we're dumb. But that when a sheep would get lost, uh, he, he, sometimes it's so worn out, it's so exhausted, it's not going to make its way back, or it's going to take forever 
And, and, and so he says, look, it's just easier if I just pick you up and put you on my shoulder and carry you. So grateful that there are those seasons in life where I just don't have it left. And Jesus says, I've got you. I will carry you. Um, sometimes with lambs, not so much with adult sheep, what a shepherd will do is they'll actually break the leg so that they can't walk. And he'll put that lamb over his leg and he'll carry that lamb around until the bone sets and heals so that that lamb is right there next to that shepherd, listening to that shepherd's voice all the time until that bone heals and sets. And then when the, heel, when the leg is restored and back to strength that it can walk on its own, he puts the sheep down and it doesn't stray and it knows his voice. Sometimes when we're dumb, and we don't listen, God will use things that will, it feels like he's breaking us. But it's so that he can, we, we will trust him and rely on him so that he can carry us. Beautiful metaphor, the shepherd and sheep thing. And so after this radical act of love of the shepherd going out and looking for his lost sheep, he comes back and he rejoices. And he invites his neighbors and he invites his under-shepherds and he says, look, let's celebrate. The sheep that, that was lost has now been brought home. And, and the Pharisees here should have been the friends. They should have been the people that he came, look, I found one that was out, lost and broken. And I've brought him home and he's, and he's whole and he's part of the flock again. The Pharisees should have been the ones that were celebrating, but instead they were grumbling and complaining because Jesus didn't follow all the rules the way they thought that he should. And how often have we done that when we look at people who don't live the way that we live or choose the things that we choose or follow the, the, the rules of church the way that we do and we point fingers and we grumble. And this, it's challenging too because we're, there's so much lost, uh, so much brokenness in our culture right now. It's, it's, it's hard to look at those people and, and, and embrace them because the choices they're making are like we can't fathom them, especially in the light of all that's happening in our culture right now. We are called to love them. We are called to, to, to bring life to them. And, and to be willing to go and, and to love them. It's interesting. In India, there's the caste system, right? Where if you were born into this group of people, you had to be a part of that group of people. And so if you were born into this caste, you only were allowed to marry people in that caste. You, never, you didn't get to break out. Except that the church, that when, when Christianity came to India... Uh, missionary William Carey actually subverted the caste system and encouraged people to marry outside of their caste to, to help break this. Um, and that it, it was something about Christ's actions, loving the outcast regardless of the social consequences, that he, he, he worked actively to try to connect the broken and the lost and get them found. So for us this morning... You know, we, 
we all know people who are lost. We all know people who are broken. Um, I, I, again, I, I heard this story, I, I didn't find the clip for it, um, about a, a water buffalo calf that um, a pride of lions had, as the herd of water buffalo were moving across from the, the watering hole, this calf gets separated from the herd. And, and you've probably seen videos like this on, on YouTube or on, on Facebook of, of the lions that will they'll separate the calf from the rest of the group. And, and in this one video that I saw, it was like this calf was having a very bad day. Like it, this calf was in trouble. Not only did it get separated by lions from its parents and its family, but as the lions were trying to keep it away from them, it got too close to the water and a crocodile came out of the water. And now the lions are fighting with the crocodile over this calf. Meanwhile, all of this is going on. The camera pans up because the herd finally figures out what happened. And now there's this herd of angry water buffalo coming back down to the water. The lions pull the, the, the calf away from the crocodile back up onto the shore only to then be faced by this herd of ticked off water buffalo who came back for the one. It was reckless, right? Because it's water buffaloes against lions. But because they were in numbers, they came together as a family, they were able to like push those lions off, and this calf is reunited with his family, probably with lots and lots of bite marks. Uh, I don't know. We don't know. Like They don't run the video how much longer. How long is that calf really going to make it after being attacked by lions and a crocodile? Um, sometimes that story doesn't end well. But for the sake of this, we'll pretend that the video ends and the calf lives happily ever after. Yay for the calf. Um, the people that we know that are lost and broken, the enemy has been sinking his teeth into them for years. And so can we have some compassion to say, not just maybe they're making choices that we wouldn't make or they, they are, are doing things or believing things that we wouldn't believe. They're lost and they're broken. And we have the opportunity to bring them life. Could we be his under-shepherd to go and help look for those that are lost? And then when they're brought home, we celebrate, right? We have a party when the lost are restored. I'm going to close with this song, and I, I don't need the worship team to come up. I've got the, the video for it. As we close, I just want to... We've sung this song many times. Uh, it's the song Reckless Love beautiful song, but I think it, it fits for us as, as we think about what his love is like for us, that he came and looked for us first. So good. 
Lord, we ask that you would help us to receive that reckless love that you have for us. Lord, that you would help us to love the lost and the broken that are in our worlds that don't know you, that need your love and your grace and your healing. Those lost sheep that, that we care about. Lord, help us to speak love and hope and life to them this week. Help us to have courage to recklessly love them the way you pursued us. So that we would pray for them, that we would encourage them, that we would invite them. So that we could celebrate their homecoming when they come to know you as their personal Lord and Savior. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Uh, again, next Sunday, immediately after church, a uh, quick family business meeting, and then all the other things that are, that are going on. Blessings. Have an awesome week. Thanks for coming.